shed the days like skin Pray for evenings in Hold their hands in the street When you walk them off to school A box too full to shut A cardboard paper cut The bleeding edge of a picture Of your parents when they were cool Welcome to Edu Matters, where education matters. Brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. And now, here are your hosts, Christy Vincent and Brian Brueger. Welcome to the Edu Matters Podcast, Episode 3 The Male Kindergarten Teacher for May 15, 2012. I am your host, Christy Vincent. Tonight, we are joined by the brilliant Brian Brueger, he is indeed brilliant, the profound Mark Cockrell, and our guest, the gangster rap kindergarten teacher, Matt Gomez. And this week, we have a plethora of topics that we only hope we can get through, but we are first going to talk do about- Do you know what a plethora is? Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> and he always interrupts me during my intros. Well, you can't use an El Guapo line and not expect me to counter it. <laughs> Edit that out. This week, we're discussing movies in honor of me and Mother's Day in the month of May, because I have seen all these fabulous movies that I cannot wait to watch. My husband calls it estrogen fest time. I have seen samples, previews, whatever, for The Blind Side, one of my favorite movies and Leanne Tui was at TCEA a couple years ago and discussing her panty line. That is what she chose to discuss in her keynote. Freaky Friday, another favorite movie of mine. Stepmom, I Still Cry, the ultimate female movie of all time, The Notebook. Are y'all are y'all watching those too? I recording? thought that would be Steel Magnolias. I like that one too, but The Notebook still makes me cry. But you know, so does Steel Magnolias. I've been in that house where that was recorded, you know. True story. Okay. Was, was there an armadillo cake served at that house? No, there was not. But there's movie memorabilia in the house, and it's really cool. Oh, and guess what I'm going to watch this weekend? I'm so excited. You One could only that. guess. The Vow. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Oh, Zach Afron is so hunky. He is. Oh. Well, there's there's no more. Um, why, I'm sorry. Why are we talking about movies? Because I'm the host, and I decided. And I haven't watched the Avengers <laughs> yet. And since y'all have, I figured that you could discuss it. Oh, okay. I want to know Speechless. what. Speechless. I have no words. Have you not watched it? I I have no words for this whole topic. <laughs> the whole I don't even know where to begin or end. I'm the host. <laughs> I say. Have you seen the Avengers? And now you discuss that. No, I have not seen the Avengers. Oh, well, you're useless. Mark, you've seen it. I've seen the Avengers, yes. Matt, have you seen the Avengers? I have seen the Avengers. Discuss. See how this works? <laughs> the Hulk was amazing. Yes. Star of the show. That's about oh, all that's right. It's got comic people in it, huh? Yes. What I say about the Avengers is that if you're willing to suspend disbelief, and logic and reason and basic understanding of rudimentary physics. It's an excellent movie. <laughs> then count me out. I can't do that. As a former physics teacher, how do you just say, okay, I'm going to ignore everything that I know and just 
pretend it doesn't exist. It's it's difficult. It, of course, <laughs> you also know that gamma rays don't turn people green, and you accept that. So you know. <laughs> but have you ever tried it? Uh, l- last week, actually, I, I set up a whole <laughs> big gamma ray thing, and uh, uh, it, it turned my puppy a little blue, but it, it wasn't green. Has that effect on canines? This may, in fact, be the most bizarre. No, the the toast sold on eBay was more bizarre, but this is like the second most bizarre show opening we've ever had. But I get to choose that because you still wouldn't let me have my eulogy, and I'm still sad about that. So take that. All right, While you had no electricity, I got to decide today. It's all about so, you, Christy. That's I right. would love the opportunity to derail the show. But how but would I think you? it's already there. <laughs> Who would notice? And the whole reason we are talking about movies is because our fabulous guest, Matt Gomez, makes me think of movies every time he says something that's, well, profound. Because all I can think about is the early 90s movie Kindergarten Cop, right? And no matter what he says, these are the three things that go through my head. Either, it's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. That's all I can think of. No matter what he says, that's the first thing that comes to my head. The second thing, y'all know this one. Mr. Kimball, I have to go to the bathroom. There is no bathroom. That's my second favorite quote from the movie. And because everything comes in threes, the sweet, loving third grade teacher that was down the hall says, you know, kindergarten is like the ocean. Don't turn your back on it. So with all of that fabulous advice and your career set before you, tell us what it's really like to be a male kindergarten teacher. Oh, I want to go back. You said I, I say things that are profound. You do say things that are profound. <laughs> Great. I'm going to say, I'm going to show right my there. mom this. <laughs> you can Where's show your mom. It's yes. usually kind of PG-ish. I just want to know how you can mention kindergarten cop and not mention a, a five-year-old explaining the differences between boys and girls. I mean, that that is the single best line of the entire movie. I think they still use that to teach sex ed, actually. Yeah. Please, Matt. Please save us. <laughs> well, I, I'm Matt Gomez, and this is my 11th year teaching kindergarten. It's the only thing I've done. I knew that's what I wanted to do coming out of college and somehow I've stuck with it. And despite my hate for glitter, I've stayed with kindergarten. Um, and I don't know, I just, I, I, I think my favorite part is they come in as babies and they leave as students. So it's just that, that passion every year that I get a new set, just by, by May, I'm ready to send them on and around July, I'm ready for a new set. So, I really enjoy being in the kindergarten class. And with that age, my wife teaches pre-K, so I have a little experience with that. It's a total reboot every year because they come in, again, blank slate. They, they know nothing. So uh, it, it really is kind of a, a, a cool experience to, to have to start totally fresh every year. Yeah, and we know so little about the kids where the other grades have either heard about them or it's, it's hard for teachers not to say some things about kids moving up. Very rarely do we know anything about the group that's coming in. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, Matt. Well, I'm married. I have three kids. I love gangster rap music. 
it's it's how I get work done. I'm ADD, so when I need to do work, I just put on my music. I go up to school every Sunday, and there's some really imp- inappropriate music blaring in my room as I get it ready for the week. So it's uh, that's kind of my thing, and I'm an Aggie. Um, we're sorry. We're, we're yes. our, our condolences. I'm I'm just trying to wrap my head around a male kindergarten gangster rapper from A and M. That's uh, <laughs> it's a it's a long title. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I had a hard time in in school. I was always the problem kid that had. I think I had a lot of creativity in me, but I didn't fit the norm. I was. I've always been a rebel, so there are a few teachers that made a difference to me when I was young, and I always kind of wanted to have that feeling giving back. And working with daycares and other things through college, I kind of found my calling in the the four to six range. So I can't really explain it because I'm my room is not a typical kindergarten room as far as the way it's decorated and the way we do things, but. I love it. I do, you know, I enjoy going in every day. Yeah, we find that so shocking. We we totally expected a traditional kindergarten room with all that background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not so, much decorations on the wall that's uh, frilly and and just just for fun. Is there like a big picture of Tupac standing behind your desk? <laughs> no, I don't have that yet. Yet, okay. Yes, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> I would start with Big Poppy and move from there. So I'm going to go ahead and derail the show. This is what I learned about gangster rap this week. We were coming back from Bryan College Station, you know, your home little place there in Maroon Land. And a song came on and my husband and I were discussing it. The kids were listening to it. I said, who is this? And it's some new song by J-Lo. And I said, oh, well, that sounded like Flo Rida. And he's like, no, I don't think so. And time goes by and he said, you know where he's from, right? Who? Flowrider. No. He's from Florida. Really? Not like Miami? He's like, baby, he's from Florida. Oh, that's great, honey. His name is Flowrider. Florida. Snap! It's the same spelling. (laughs) I had never caught on to that. I didn't know. (laughs) But I know now. I don't know what to say. You're so pretty. <laughs> there's there's nothing to say. I was just going to get, you know, as we get into the important stuff here, I, I was going to get your take on clip art, Matt, because I, I have a problem with clip art. And I'm curious because typically I see this most prominent in the lower elementary grades. So I really wanted to get your opinion on clip art. And I hope you come down on the right side. As in using it in documents? As in using it, period. Yeah. We don't, <laughs> well, it depends on if you if you pair it with Comic Sans and it's okay. But <laughs> classic. Otherwise, it shouldn't be used. No. Um, when I send home my n- newsletters, there's not much clip art on it, and um, I, I prefer real photographs when we're doing things in the class. So clip art's not. I'm not a big fan of clip art. You're hired. You can come over and you can uh, start at the beginning of the school year. Awesome. <laughs> I guess where Brian lives. Yes, and we're in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> True story. 
<laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so you're against clip art, you're against Comic Sans, you listen to gangster rap, and you have a problem with glitter. How did you get hired? I really don't know, to be honest. I, I think they needed a Mexican male in their school. And so I fit, you know, two different areas for the school's cultural diversity. And so they took a chance. That's, that's my feeling. I'm, I'm so sorry. You stayed did, 11 years. You, they kept renewing you. They just did, can't get Did you really just say affirmative action got you your job? Is that, is that what you just said? <laughs> hey, that's just my guess. Maybe I had a good interview. I don't know, but it couldn't have hurt. Now, here, here's one of my questions, because I don't think I ever encountered in my childhood growing, um, you know, through elementary school, apart from the principal, I don't think I ever encountered a male in school period until I got to middle school. I could be wrong, but I can only maybe think a of coach, one. Brian, maybe he was a coach. Um, actually, no, you're right. The, uh, the PE teacher wore those bike, um, branded, uh, shorts and everything like that were high style. They came up to his shoulders. Um, so, how is it, um, you know, in your school or in your district, in your area, in terms of, you know, if you were to have, you know, area kindergarten meetings, is it you and then the mom's club or, you know, how does that interaction work or is it just even an issue at all? It's definitely, I would consider it an issue because there's, there's not very many males in the early childhood grades in our district we have 40 i think 46 schools and i know of two other male kindergarten teachers that i know of when i went through school at a&m i was always the only guy in all my classes which made it really hard to skip them so i you know i see it as an issue because i think males in elementary have something to offer the students just just the same as you know, diverse group has to offer kids that I think school in general needs to be more diverse, especially in the elementary schools. But I don't know how to get more males into education, especially the early childhood part. It's kind of a vicious cycle, right? There aren't any role models, so nobody goes into it. So, And since nobody goes into it, there aren't any role models. Yeah, my mom was kind of my role model. She, she always pointed out how well I worked with children when I was in youth group and church and she supported that. And so uh, my first job was working at a daycare teaching swim lessons. And the owner of that daycare came to me and said, you, you have a gift. I need you in the pre-K classroom. And from there that just built. And so I, I was given an opportunity to see and that might be the issue. I don't think very many males are given the opportunity to, to see if they can work with children and whether they enjoy it or not. So after you get past the, the affirmative action and the hiring and all your uniqueness, I know that's not a word, Mark, just roll with it. What is it that, that is different and special and fabulous about your classroom and here in May when there's you know, less than 20 days of school left? What is it that keeps you going? Um, I have fun at school. So every morning I wake up ready to go in to, to see what we're going to do for the day. And so it's the exploring part of it. I, I love learning and sharing. So 
even though I teach kindergarten, I learn things all the time from my kids, from the activities that we do. So I think it's just that I found that passion for learning again, and I don't want it to ever stop. So I think that's what drives me. But more than anything is I have fun. I really enjoy what I do. So you gave us a perfect lead in there. What are some of the, the things that you do to uh, help continue your learning? Well, um, Twitter would probably be the, the biggest part of my continued learning. About three years ago, I really kind of got into a funk with teaching and I was, I, I kind of call myself a robot teacher where I was doing the same things we did every year and s s just starting to lose the passion. And Twitter came along and I found Kinder Chat and I found a group of really passionate educators that challenge me, they inspire me, they give me new ideas. And so definitely Twitter is the main thing, but also um, blogging has been really important to me. I, I don't know. I think my mom's the only one who reads it still, but it's, it's an avenue for me to get out my thoughts and to, to, to think what I'm doing. And then on top of that, going to conferences. I, ne I never wanted to go to conferences until I got on Twitter and saw that the power of a conference really is in the relationships you build, not necessarily the information. It's the in-between the the sessions where I found the most powerful things come out of the conference. So TCA and Region 10 and all those have been really important because of the, the Twitter aspect of it. So tell us what Kinder Chat is. Um, the easiest way to explain it is a global network of kindergarten teachers. It was founded by Amy Murray and Heidi. And they I think this is the second year we've had Kinder Chat going on. So they got together, they found each other on on Twitter and said, hey, we need to have a chat like some of these other chats that we're seeing. And I, I don't even know how I found them, but somehow I searched kindergarten or something with it and they came up. And so we have this group that meets every Monday. We have a chat at 9 p.m. Eastern and we talk about everything related to early childhood education. And you, you allow lurkers, I'm told. That's you don't correct. have to be a kindergarten teacher to be there. <laughs> we, we have a lot of people who have an interest in early childhood education that show up. So if, if you have an interest in teaching or what's going on in the kindergarten, pre-K level, first grade level, everyone's welcome for sure. And I think it applies really even beyond y'all. I'm, I'm frequently in there, not a kindergarten teacher. But I, I do hang out in there and kind of get y'all's perspective and ideas on stuff. And you discuss a lot of really, really good things. I missed last night. I was laying here in bed crying with a migraine. But I went back to read it today, and it couldn't even load fast enough. You've got guys, I mean, teachers, educators from all over having, I mean, very valuable discussions. Last night, remind me, what was last night about? Last night was the guest author about the seven skills Yes, yes. And then so, they started numbering them off. Right. I only, I participated about halfway last night. We had some things going on with my son had a soccer game. So yeah, it was, yeah, I, I, I was, I was I only able to be from the ball field more than once for you. Yes. <laughs> but that's why I really enjoy Kinder Chat. We don't focus on tech. We don't focus on just kindergarten. It's, it's really a lot of just developmentally appropriate practice for school and children in general. We talk about ourselves as far as what's best for a teacher, professional development. And so it's, it's a wide range of topics. And the, the other thing about Kinder Chat I really like is it's ongoing. 
I, even though we meet on Mondays, there's always a great conversation happening at any time during the day. And you so, keep saying we meet on Mondays, and I'm saying, and there's people from all over the world. So for those a little more unfamiliar, what is meet on Mondays? Monday nights, we have the chat. So that's when we have the, the hashtag kinder chat that it's our official time where we have a set topic. And there are people from all over the world. We have uh, kinder chat friends in Indonesia and Europe that join in. It's morning for them when we have it, but they're still there um, as part of the discussion. So basically um, anybody who's participating in the chat would just use the hashtag and the chat participants will, if you will, follow that hashtag. That's correct. And we have a blog if you if you search Kinder Chat and we actually have a really nice um, page on newbies guide to joining Kinder Chat and it walks you through all the tools you need to use, what website. And so all anyone who has questions on how to join the chat, the blog has a really good resource for that. So Monday nights, nine o'clock Eastern on Twitter, hashtag Kinder Chat. That's correct. Fabulous. I think my, my most recent favorite conversation about two weeks ago, you talked about, um, specifically I were discussing Skype, but the whole idea of flattening the classroom and opening up the walls. And I mean, I wanted some of my high school teachers to hear that and say, you know, hey, you've got kindergarten teachers, you've got them doing it. Let's bring it on up to higher ed too. There's no reason not to. And I think the biggest takeaway from that conversation is it's hard for you to have your kids collaborate globally if you're not doing it yourself as a professional. And so I think there's a step there where teachers need to get on board with collaborating globally so that they can lead their class in that aspect of it. And then the next day, um, a colleague of mine, unknown to me, was also lurking in that um, particular discussion. And we had a, a extended discussion about research and what it means for prejudice and racism because that was part of the discussion about muting that from our students by opening up the world and letting them see what was out there. So for me personally, I really enjoyed that particular ch kinder chat. Yeah, it's uh, one of my favorite things this year that's happened was my class Skyping with our friends in Canada and they could see their flag in the background. So they, they went and got our Texas flag and showed it on the Skype. And so I have this picture of Canada meets Texas flag. And from that point on, they ask all of our Skype play friends, what flag are you? So they're in this real world, authentic learning about symbols and diversity and how things are different for them. And, and, and we disguise it in the form of play. But I think if, if that conversation is started at the kindergarten level, that it continue to build as you when you get to high school that they have all the skills necessary to start really collaborating with other classes around the world by the way you can always tell you're dealing with an elementary education person when they say our skype friends and our kinder chat friends everybody's yes. our friends that's correct and they are our friends <laughs> i love elementary teachers and and i fit in their hallways unlike some of my taller friends that can't walk through the kindergarten wing i i can still fit through there so it makes me very happy to the over in kindergarten. So aside from kinder chat and teaching kindergarten and going up to school on Saturdays with gangster rap, 
You also have a big deal with Ed Kent Dallas. And I know that these kind of spring up everywhere. There's Ed Kent Dallas, Ed Kent New York, Ed Kent Boston, Ed Kent. I mean, on and on they go. What is Ed Camp? What is that? Ed Camp is a participant-driven professional development day. It's a free um, conference. There are no keynote speakers. There are no vendors. And you walk in to Ed Camp on a Saturday. The session board is completely empty. The the whoever's leading it will say it's time for to fill up the sessions. Whoever's there who wants to participate in a session writes it down on the board. And you just go to the sessions that matter to you. Again, it's the conference where the conversations and the relationships are more important than the content that's taught. So it's just a great way to get together with other passionate educators without the pressure of a typical conference that can, that can be there. So it's, it's one of the unconference style. That's correct. Meetings. It is an unconference. And EdCamp Dallas it will be the second EdCamp in North Texas. We had EdCamp Plano last year. It was a pretty good success. We had a, about 115 educators come. I, we switched the name to EdCamp Dallas to make to hopefully get more people to attend. I was afraid that people thought it might be a Plano only type event. So we, we changed the name to incorporate all the city of Dallas. And we're going to be at Coppell High School on September 29th. Again, it's a free event. There's no cost to show up. It is a tech heavy conference typically because most of the people who show up learn about it through Twitter and everything. But that's not the point of the conference. If you wanted to talk about any anything and lead a session, it, it doesn't have to be tech related. And what is the attendance usually like? Um, two to three hundred is a typical ed camp. So we we have room for three hundred this year. We're hoping to double from last year from one fifteen to a little over two hundred. That's our goal. It was real hard getting the word out last year because the amount of educators in Texas on Twitter wasn't as high as it is now and. So with going to TCA and kind of networking there, I'm hoping that we'll get the word out more so more people will be willing to come. And also last year it was in May towards the end of the year. I think it's a little bit harder for May conferences. I'm hoping that people will get the room started and be ready for some new ideas and come in September. That, that way they'll have time to actually implement things that they might learn. Wow. Now, how have these things changed you know, specifically what you're doing in your classroom? Um, well, you're talking about EdCamp in general or just my network? Well, both of those, EdCamp and KinderChat. How is that actually impacting the day-to-day -day operation in the classroom? KinderChat has had a profound impact on my classroom. I, I'm not a, I don't consider myself a teacher anymore. I consider myself the lead learner and I'm looking for kids' passions and looking to lead them in ways that will engage them and make make learning fun. I don't I focus less on what they need to learn and more on teaching them how to learn. And so it's just I, I feel like the creativity and the things I do in the classroom, kinder chat and the ed camp things have given me the I guess let me be brave to, to say that this is learning. That play and exploration is a child's work. I'm nodding my head, and it just occurred to me that nobody can can hear that. <laughs> Absolutely, I think play is a child's work. And in, you know, when you go back and you do your research, 
and you look at where schooling and specifically kindergarten started, it was started with the idea of exploration and play. That was its whole purpose, which we're so far removed from there. And I'm not going to get on my soapbox tonight, I promise. Aren't you guys proud? But we, we know, Matt, you really chose kindergarten, so you wouldn't have standardized testing, huh? It's one of the reasons why I don't want to move away, yes. But, but um, we do have other things like the NWA MAP test and other assessments that are making their way down to kindergarten. And my issue isn't with the assessments. My issue is what we do with them and how we read them, that, that we don't let parents think that these tests are the only, way, only things that show learning. And that's, that's another thing that Kinder Chat has been a big factor on. I, I really, it's, it's led me to be passionate about parent engagement. I think the big issue with, with testing is parents need it. And I think the way we get rid of it is by showing parents learning day, on a daily basis instead of just showing them testing in grades and conferences. And so, you know, that's been one of my passions is how can I show parents the learning that is happening in my room when we're playing, when we're exploring. And what so, is your answer to that? Well, my original answer to that was Facebook. I had a Facebook page for our class and um, I updated it daily with what we were doing. The district decided that wasn't in the best interest of our, we weren't ready for that. And so I moved away from that. Now I send home a daily email with pictures of everything that we've done. I take pictures all day and then my kids have access to a camera the entire day. And I send those home in an email. It takes me five minutes. I copy and paste into a Word document. I add a little text if I want to explain what's happening in a picture. I save it as a PDF and send it as an email. So every day my parents have something to discuss with their kids at home of what's been happening in the classroom. I'm curious what the term, we're not ready for that, means. So uh, take my contact information and have them call me because oh, I don't yeah. get it. <laughs> I, I, the way they explained it to me is I may, may understand what I'm doing, but they can't trust everyone else to know what they're doing, and we're not ready to do that. So everybody being the same is very important when you're in a large district, and I get that, but they're killing innovation. They're Absolutely. Just, it's, it's just I don't, I don't know how to balance it because I get the fact that we have five teachers on my team that I think do amazing jobs. And I understand that as a principal, it's easier for everybody to do the same thing. But at the same time, it's, it's hard when you don't have the autonomy to do what you feel is best for yourself and your class. So I really struggle with that balance on, you know, how do we encourage people to do different things, but keep the learning similar? Sure. And I, I guess my frustration is, is I don't know that there's anything that you could say on Facebook that you don't have the power to also say in your email. And so I think, you know, it goes back to the fear of yes. something that's unknown. We'll just stick with email because we know email. But yeah, it's the power of the pen's the same. Yeah, it's it's fear and it's it's people making decisions about tools they have no clue about. So if they don't understand it, they're not gonna let it happen. And that's a trust issue. But sure. it, it all comes back to fear and control, which is just another form of fear. Uh, Matt, can you give me a, a rough idea of what your classrooms typically look like in terms of uh, ethnic makeup and, and uh, uh, what's the word? 
um, how much money they have. I, I, Socio economic. There you go. I couldn't find yes, the, the proper. They're all gangster rappers. Um, <laughs> they all have really big bling um, necklaces. Their chains uh, hang low. <laughs> yeah, we're a, a high SES school. I was just trying to get an idea of of what your classes look like because what you were describing there with the email and the pictures uh, wouldn't fly in my particular district because we are not uh, as um, connected as you are. We're rural and not everybody's going to have access to broadband and, and sending pictures. You know, a lot of our people are still on dial up if they have anything. So that's why I asked the question. Um, we are a pretty high SES school. And the the district itself is very diverse. Our school is very diverse, but it's um, more affluent than the typical school. So I at our last multicultural event, I think we had 46 different countries represented from our school. Wow. So and very diverse, kidding. very affluent. I was kidding, Mark, at the beginning of the show, I don't think he has 46 different teachers in his district. <laughs> I still think there's ways that we can reach parents because even, the, even if they don't have the latest and greatest technology, there are tools out there that allow you to reach parents. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find parents, my experience, that don't at least have text messaging and other ways to do things. So... I think it's our job to know our community and figure out how are we going to engage our parents because, you know, everything else is just an excuse. So, yes, it's easy for me because I have a group of parents that are very pretty tech savvy. But if it, that wasn't the case, it wouldn't stop me from finding a way to show the learning. There's got to be a way to show the learning that's happening in the class. And what has been the response since you began your daily email? Um, well, the parents enjoy it. The, the, I think the kids... You know, I ask the kids what they do at home and they most of them go straight home and show their parents the emails. One thing I, I noticed with Facebook is it's a way to give the kids a voice in their learning that th there aren't adults talking about what's happening. They get to go home. They get to show the picture. It's their learning and they get to take ownership of it, which to me is about as powerful learning as you can have. We're misbehaving behind you. I'm my deepest apologies, Matt. <laughs> and this this really speaks to to the district I'm in. I my struggle is it's not a very wealthy or affluent district at all. Where I, I don't even want to guess the percentage, especially on one side of our district. And what I face with teachers when I try to say let's integrate this technology, oh, they don't have it. They can't afford it. Our kids don't have cell phones. Right. I'm noticing that no matter, it seems, how poor the community is, they still manage to find cell phones for the kids and cell phones for themselves. No matter they don't have that, you know, home computer, at least mom or dad, somebody in the family has a smartphone. Yeah, and I think that's likely, why those social media tools are so powerful. More than likely, they have Facebook and text messaging. I know, I know it's not the case for everyone, and you're going to, everyone has to figure out what works best for all their parents, but I still think you'd be hard pressed to find some, find a large number of parents who don't have Facebook and text messaging, at least. And my, you know, one of, I hear the same argument you hear, and I, I think those kids need the technology more than 
anyone because if they're not getting it at home, they're going to be that much farther behind as they move on because there are kids that are do that have iPads at home, that have computers at home. So we need to be integrating tech even more into those schools. Now, what about the idea of posting throughout the course of the day on something like Twitter and providing your families the ability to subscribe via text messaging? That may be another method to, you know, kind of answer the what is my son or daughter doing at this moment? Yeah, time, um, timely messages are really important in early childhood. It, the, you know, you hear from all parents that get home and what did you do? Nothing. And so sure. those timely messages where they can walk home and say, tell me more about this experiment. Tell me about this writing project. So it gives the parents a way to, for you know, kind of hand feed the kids a way into the talking and the learning. Sure. But, um, and, and you're right, there are some kinder chat teachers that have Twitter accounts specifically for parents. And um, our Twitter account, our classroom Twitter account is not for that. I wouldn't keep a parent from being on it, but it's it's for us to communicate with other kindergarten classrooms. And so that's what ours is for. But there are some teachers who are doing that. There's teachers who have blogs that they're update during the day. And in the past, I think what I always did was on Friday, I'd send home a, a newsletter of everything that happened during the week. And I'd, I would lose a lot of opportunities for continued learning at home. Sure. I just wondered, it's something that we discussed um, real briefly in last week's episode where our school has gone on three different um, overnight trips and we've, you know, blogged, if you will, via Twitter, those experiences. And as that happens, we're finding the engagement level of the parents to go way up as to the satisfaction level because they get the sense of being on the experience. And I'm wondering if that might be, you know, for those districts who don't want to do Facebook or things like that, this is, I don't know, a, a toe in the water of social media because it's still very flat. If you're doing it with the intention of sending it to cell phones, there's not necessarily going to be picture attachments and things like that, but it does give that parent immediate, I don't know, reinforcement or just knowledge or awareness of what's going on um, that I'm sure they'd appreciate. And, and beyond that, it builds a relationship between school and home. Big um, we, we, it's all about that relationship. And so when we are interacting and engaging parents, which is what you're describing, we're not just sharing information, we're actually engaging the parents in their child's learning. I have seen a significant difference in the relationships. The parents are on my side. We're a team. We work together. Our goal is that the child learns the most that they can during the day. And so I've seen a big impact as far as that goes. You asked me earlier about the email. I don't get a whole lot of feedback. When a parent really likes a picture, they'll email me back that they really love something. But I notice a difference in our interactions and their, and their relationship with me and the classroom. So, and you, you talked about the text messaging. Y'all using the fast follow? Uh, no, we're actually doing it via Twitter. And then we just showed the parents how to follow Twitter account updates via text messaging. Okay. So, the, the, yeah, that's what we're doing that with our school accounts. I run the Twitter and Facebook for our school. 
And so we use fast follow, which I think is what you're talking about, where they text the number follow. Yes. The, yes. Uh, yes. Okay. And so we and we do the same thing in fifth grade. They go on their first overnight camping, and the parents really enjoy getting the updates that they've arrived. They're going to bed. They're having breakfast. Sure. So sure. it helps. And I'm I'm curious how with your communication in the classroom, how does it change? Um, you mentioned briefly the changing interactivity and things like that. I'm curious how it changes the questions from the parents because I've been in, I mean, back in the day when we used to, you know, we were moving towards electronic grade books and everything. We used to fight with all the teachers about, you know, you know, I'm going to get all these questions from parents and things like that. But my findings have been that as you give more information, the questions either become better questions or there tend to be fewer questions because they're more aware. How is, you know, your willingness to open up the classroom? Uh, I think it depends on the kind of information you're sharing, because I think you can share information in, in a condescending way with parents. And sure. so I, I think if it's done in a respectful way that I, I, I respect your your position as a parent, then I haven't seen any increase in any questions or issues. I think it I think it deters a lot of those things. I don't have parents questioning things. Like I said, I just feel like they're on my my side. I feel like they're on my team. I give all my parents my cell phone number beginning of the year. I ask I tell them they can text me, they can call me, that, you know, please do it before ten o'clock at night, but if, if you need to talk to me at seven o'clock at night about something that's important to your child's learning, then I'm going to be there. And if it ever becomes an abuse, a situation of abusing that, then I will address that with a parent. And I think that's part of the respect thing. But I've never had a case where a parent will abuse anything. I'm sure it'll happen at some point and I'll address it when that happens. But I tend to trust my parents because they're trusting me. And if anyone wanted to reach you, reach out to you, get a hold of you to further explore some of these creative things you're doing in your classroom, what's the best way for that? Probably through my email would be the easiest or Twitter if, if they're on Twitter. Is it, are we going to post Twitter that? your Twitter handle is? At Matt underscore Gomez. Which we will have in the show friends, notes. I'm sorry? Put it in the show We'll put it in the show notes, Mark's telling you. Okay. And for our non-Texas friends, Gomez is G-O-M-E-Z. That's correct. Somebody out there will put an S on that. I guarantee you. Yeah, and don't forget the underscore because it's a different Matt Gomez. Oh, is there another one? We'll have to Apparently. find him. Apparently. Go ahead, Brian. You're itching. You're itching. Go. <laughs> this is Look for the uh, dirty Texas A and M hat. Yes. <laughs> Although right, I do we have a new one. Disclaimer. I, I, I was going to say I appreciate you uh, dressing up for us. Yes. <laughs> new is relative. That hat is more than six months old. New is a very relative term when it comes to those hideous hats. Yeah, but my other one's four years, so it was time. You're right, it was time. And it is time for us to say goodnight to you, but we much appreciate you being here with us tonight, Matt. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a great chat. Fabulous. And I will see you on Kinder Chat Monday night. Now that Mr. Kindergarten is off to go play with glitter, 
we have two tech tips, one tech tip, one teacher tip that actually have associated URLs. It's a good day in Edgy Matterland. <laughs> you may go first, Mr. Brueger. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I wanted, just because I wanted to um, support Mark and his open source um, gluttony, I would like to promote um, a tool that I've been playing with at our school, and that is Google Drive. It's fairly new for those people who don't know. But essentially, um, if you have a Google account and you've ever used Google Documents, Google Drive is, shall we say, Google Documents 2.0 or 3.0 or 4.0 or slightly out of beta <laughs> version. And um, I've been playing with this a little bit at our school because we have Google Apps accounts at our school and use Google as our you know email backend and all that kind of good stuff. Um, essentially, the Google Drive component does a few things. The first one, it changes the word documents in that little black bar at the top to drive. The second feature is it actually allows you to um, install a little component on your uh, Mac or PC or Linux box or, or whatever it happens to be. And that allows you to, you know, throw things in there a la Dropbox style um, drive storage. So um, I haven't been one to upload Word documents or pages documents or anything like that to my um, Google documents because I kind of felt like it wasn't very useful. But now you can throw documents up there. So if you happen to be a Google user, it may be a, uh, a good collaboration tool or a good thing to kind of play around with a little bit. Obviously, there's some kinks to be worked out, as with most new technologies, but it is free. And if it's free, it's for me. And just a word on that. If you're a Google user, it's coming and there's nothing you can do about it. So just make your peace with that. Uh, whether and it's fabulous. Pay no attention to the big scary man behind the mic. Well, I'm just letting you know that I, people tend to be resistant to change. And you know, I mean, I know lots of people who spent a month complaining about Google's new look. But the reality is, when Google makes a change, uh, it's not an option. It's it's going to happen. So if you think I, I like Docs and I don't want to move to Drive, that's not it, you, you don't have that choice. So, but you don't drive anywhere to move to drive. It's all the same stuff. It's all still there. Yeah, the tricky thing, yes. though, is they change the way it sorts. And, and Christy, I know you experienced that because I was there when it happened. The first time yep. you log into drive, you're like, oh, my stuff is gone. It's not yeah. gone. It's there. It's just sorted differently. Yeah, it, what it does for those, you know, two of you who are listening and are heavy Google users, rather than having a home button where kind of all your documents and everything there are stored, um, it just gives you the, you know, the all items and the list of your collections and things like that. But I often use the home button and then I leave things in the home button, in the home section that I used a lot. And now I just choose recents. If you choose a recent list, it will, um, It'll kind of take care of everything and and make it more um, similar, if you will, to the Google Documents setup. So and there you go. You're done now. If you're looking for docs that are not yours, that are not in your Drive slash Doc area, your fabulous teacher tip 
Fabulous, Mark. That's for you. Your fabulous teacher tip this week is Docs Teach. Absolutely amazing, wonderful resource. Um, obviously, this is more geared towards social studies teachers. It's from the National Archives, so it has the images. You can get a close-up. You can zoom in on Declaration, Constitution, notes, letters, images, um, National Seal. It's all aligned to the National Standards for Social Studies. And it has built-in activities and lesson plans, should you choose to use them, and a creator for activities so that you can create your own. My ELA and S social studies teachers love it. They're all over it. Don't know how they ever taught without it. Great resource for primary source documents. If you have not seen it, you must. Docsteach.org? I do believe it's a .org. It would help if I would look at the notes. And so with that, we wrap up yet another fabulous, wonderful, amazing Tuesday night after Brian gives you our contact information. Go, Brian. Now for a fabulous episode of How Do You Contact Us? And how many times can we say fabulous in our Contact Us information? Well, you can find us on the fabulous website at elementop.com and the fabulous tool called Twitter and the Twitterverse. And you can find us there at elementopi, at Bruger, or at Christy underscore Vincent. And just for those of you who are looking, once again, that is Matt's um, Twitter is Matt underscore Gomez with a Z, not an S. And the fabulous website Facebook, you can find us there, facebook.com slash element opie. And it would be fabulous if you liked specifically our tightwad teacher slash edumatters page. We would really appreciate it. And the fabulous phone number is 559-I-AM-OPEN. <laughs> and with that, have a very fabulous night. Good night. Start. There goes the